Holy Boots, come on. Have, yeah. Yeah, go on then. So, I'm just in the process of recording season three of the podcast, and we've got some good guests lined up, but it is National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Me and Con were chatting, and Con said, how about we do a little something like just talking about our experiences of eating disorders. I feel like you're, you're, you have a much better sensitivity when it comes to talking and discussing things. Oh, by the way, just to our listener, you're thinking, what is that noise in the background? So Connie's moved to Brighton, and I've come down. It's, it's a beautiful sunny Saturday. We're out in the garden of Connie's house. Um, all our flatmates are out at the moment. They might come back at any minute. And uh, me, Connie and Blueberry, the dog, are just in the garden with um, two cups of coffee and yeah. just having a chat. And it is so nice because it's February and it's warm enough to sit outside and just It's so good. Only one jacket. Yes. I don't even have a jacket, Connie. <laughs> but this jumper is cashmere. So. <laughs> Shall we start by saying um, I'm Connie's dad. And uh, since probably quite an early age, I have had, I didn't really know at the time, but I, su- I suppose you could call it anxiety where I've had sort of panic attacks and that kind of thing. And um, I've kind of heart palpitations and just general stress. And, um, and also I've had some periods of illness, which has made me get really, like, I think the doctors called it clinical depression. I'm not exactly sure what the definition is, but I've been very depressed with a lot of my illnesses. And what happens to me when, I, when things get difficult is, is I just have an inability to eat. But the good thing about that is that it only lasts during the brief periods when I'm really finding things difficult. But one of the things that um, when I was looking this up is that there's some kind of thought that perhaps mental illness and eating disorders, not that it's genetic, but like it seems to run in the family. So if your parents have problems like that, then you're more likely to have problems like that. So yeah. that's my experience. And then also I'm, I'm Connie's dad and I know Connie said you shouldn't say one's, you know, put value judgments on how bad things were. But it, from my point of view, Connie's had a really, really rough ride with anxiety and anorexia. And I've been there as a parent trying to sort of work out how to help her through it and, and how I should be reacting. And that's almost had a bigger impact on me than my own problems with anxiety, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I think for any family that are experiencing, that you know, someone who has an eating disorder, it's a real learning curve. And it's not just the person who has the eating disorder that experiences it. It's everybody who they know. Yeah, well, it must have been stressful. It was stressful, but it was worse for you. I mean, I don't know. I'm not you. It was quite a major thing. When did you first realise that you had an eating disorder, or, or did um, you? I think I probably first realised I had an eating disorder quite recently. I was told that I had an eating disorder when I was 12, but then didn't get treatment until I was 13. And I, d- I didn't know what it was to have an eating disorder. I was just told that that's what I had. So then they said, well, you have to put on weight. And I thought, okay, so then I did. And it was like hard work, but I think mostly just the physical pain was the, was the hard work. What was the physical pain? Well, just, you know, having to eat food after not eating is, is pretty painful. It's uncomfortable. It affects, like, everything. It's not fun at all. I didn't know it was painful. I knew it was difficult, but I didn't know that it was... Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's like if someone asked you, you know to double your portions for every single meal for you know the rest of your life it would be pretty it would be uncomfortable yeah um yeah but then yeah then i put on weight 
and then I got my periods back and then they kind of said well you know your weight's restored so you're good to go so your period started but then they stopped because you weren't eating right yeah okay yeah um, which doesn't happen to everyone who menstruates um, but it happened to me so then when I got my periods back they were like, well, you're fine because, you know, your weight's restored. So then I was discharged. Um, well, whose care were you in at that time? Was that, was that, that was camps? camps yeah. yeah. And that took like a couple of years to get in to see them, didn't it, from the first diagnosis. Who diagnosed you first? Did you go to, was it GP or? I can't really remember. I think it was GP. It was so long ago. So I remember I took you and, and your sisters off to the south of Italy for a holiday, stay with my sister. And we turned up and... Nikki and Elio just were acting really weird. They were all like white as sheets and really worried. And then when you kind of left the room, they just went, Christ, you know, Connie is not well. And I was like, what, what do you mean? No, she's just a bit thin, you know. And I was a bit in denial, I think, a bit. But they were so... And he, Elio's a doctor, you know. And so I kind of... That was my first little shock one, I thought, because we kind of thought you were fine. And that was a bit later on. I guess you were probably about 14. Yeah, yeah I think that, <clears throat> that was after I'd got treatment. But I think because... Because I was told that I was fine by... Like, you know, they, they only have so much time to see you on the NHS. Yeah. So when you're good enough, they send you on your way. And so I presumed that I was well, but I still had lots of disordered behaviour around food. And at school then, um, you were at school in Sydney, weren't you? Was that going okay? or I never liked school. Some of the times at primary school were okay. Early years of primary school. Was, yeah, yeah, that's a long time ago, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried to grasp um, <laughs> the, old, the old year that it was okay at school. Yeah, when I was three, but I, I, things I were good. Because then you left Sydney and you went to do sixth form in... Um, tooting. Tooting. You know, your teachers all loved you. That, that seemed quite good. You met some good friends there, didn't you? It was a big school that one, wasn't it? Yeah, I did. I met some really good friends there, but I think... I was still unwell and still struggling to come to terms with the fact that I had an eating disorder. Um, I think the first year I had a good time because I was like, this is going to be a fresh start. And then the second year of that, um, I think that's when you got into your... You were hit by a car? <laughs> About every couple of years, something something like dramatic happens to me. Like I get hit by a car or run over or my heart stops beating and I'm in yeah. the hospital or something like that. So yeah, this is one of those. For it. Yeah, it I can't due. remember when that was. Was it the car hit? one? I don't remember. It's me trying to upstage you, wasn't it? It's like yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but I think I found that year really difficult, and I really struggled with friends that year, <clears> and I was like pretty in the grips of an eating disorder. And yeah. then it was after that that I first went to hospital when I finished school. As I remember, as you approached eighteen, then Cam's just suddenly drops you. Yeah, I think I was going... I was. You were going was, to the Bordesley Hospital by then, weren't you? I was back and forth from there yeah. because I kept thinking I was fine. and then, But I wasn't very well educated. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a process for me. It's been a process of us really worrying and really working hard to get you treatment. And then going, phew, you know, we've got a treatment. And then you demanded to kind of stop us fussing over you because that, like, that wasn't helping. And you seemed to be better. So then we all, yeah. we all withdrew and then you just sink back into your old habits and get ill again. And then we all panic and get you the next yeah, lot of help. Yeah, that happened for about, what, <clears throat> eight, nine years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they got a point where, where, where um, I'd be sort of talking with Denise and, and she'd go, oh, no, she's fine now. And I was like, hmm, don't we, don't we say that every... <laughs> Isn't this the pattern? And actually for us... Well, there's been a few, like, major shocks. There was that time in Italy where my sister and her husband were, like, you know, horrified to see you. Because we see you every day, so we didn't 
Yeah. You know, I, I, I always see, because I'm your parent, we sort of raise tinted glasses and think, oh, she's great and perfect. Yeah, yeah. I am. And she is, you know, <laughs> you are. But um, one major shock was then you uh, were admitted to Bethlehem Hospital as an inpatient. Yeah. And um, when we went there, I said, is she, is she sectioned or is she able to come and go? This is before we went in. And they said, no, no, she's not sectioned. But if she tries to leave, we'll section her. Yeah. So it's like, okay. And then, you know, I'm so naive about this sort of thing. And I've only seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But as we went through the first wire mesh security doors with guards and keys and then it was a bit dramatic i'll tell you what i was as you were escorted through all these security doors which had plastic in them and mesh and were all scratched up and had like 10 locks and buzzers and stuff and then all your possessions were taken off you so you couldn't have any personal possessions in there and then the personal possessions that you were allowed on the list was all sort of searched and everything and then they sort of dragged you led you off dragged me well no for me I was like I was like oh my god this is like prison taking your daughter to prison because it basically was a prison you know it's not a very I don't want to sort of put people off but but if you're not used to you know that kind of hospital it is quite a shock you know all the corners are round and and it's all I mean it wasn't a good time in my life but I think (coughs) without that will you tell that plane to stop can we just ask him to hey Mr. Plane (laughs) go a different way he's going round and round in circles um, no, it was it was it was a great place for you. And the best thing about that that experience was that they ran a program. It was an experimental program for for carers. So it was teaching carers how to help with um, patients, and it was really really useful for us. It was particularly useful for for Denise because you was, don't need the training. No, really. no, no. But there is a big danger of one being uh, what is it? Was it a, like a rhino or something? You know? Oh yeah, there's of, different. There's a way that they describe it, like different animals for different parents of their approach of people that yeah. have eating disorders, and yeah. there's like an ostrich that puts their head in the sand the rhino goes full full steam ahead bit bit aggressive I can't remember the other one but it's scary dolphin dolphin's a good dolphin one dolphin is, is the nudgy one but it, I mean it is scary when, you, when you're because I mean the, you know the horrible truth is that you know one of the things we learned there was that anorexia has the highest fatality rate of any mental illness and I don't think were, I really understood that well you were trying to too. kill yourself so it, it's bloody scary uh, from a parent so that kind of leads me on to to like for me, event number three, which is when I came back late one night, you know, we thought you were. Ba- Am I allowed to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Well, you'd you'd you'd, 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 you'd kind of hurt yourself, and it, it it in a way that you just wanted to to end your life, and 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 it and it, it was it was quite shocking when your child tries to end their life, and also you were really rational because we stayed up all night that night. We listened to Paul Temple. We listened to Paul Temple. Yeah. But we also talked, and you were really rational about this is unfair of you keeping me alive. It's really unfair. So you had a certain amount of anger towards me because I was preventing you from ending your life. And that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, now I'm very grateful, thank you, because now I'm living in Brighton and things, things are... I mean, things aren't, aren't 100% perfect. I think there's always, like, the worry, because I think because there's been so many years of, like, being in recovery, thinking I'm recovered and I'm going, you know, back into treatment, that I'm always worried that it's going to happen again but luckily you know I've got a lot more support now and I feel a bit more able to kind of express when I am struggling with things 
Yeah. So I think I think that's the big thing that's come out of it is I feel like I can I hope I don't know maybe <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong I feel like I have communication I feel like I can really talk to you now like like I can really talk to you like on a yeah on a I think we both level. still need to work on things because I don't I don't think either of us are perfect you know no but a bit of imperfection is normal in human I mean father yeah. daughter relationship you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna annoy the hell out of you so often and yeah. I'm gonna be needy. And I'm going to be inappropriate because so, that's just what you know, isn't it? That's kind of that's going, you, what goes in with a it. nutshell. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> needy and inappropriate. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> but I feel like what what's nice for me is I really trust your ability to communicate. So if if we don't hear from you, I know you're doing good. You know, because sometimes I don't hear for, from you for like a week or something. Yeah. And I know, even though I'm needy because of the experience I've been through, I'm really needy and I get really nervous. But I know that you're doing great because if you don't get in touch you're doing great yeah I should probably yeah. text more when it's just for nice chats rather than just calling <laughs> you up to be like well I, you tell me off because I texted you and like I got so wound up and then I, and then I texted you say, could you call me and you were like oh my god you know when the, when my friend's dad did that it was because there'd been a tragedy in the, in the family you did not text no, me no it's say, because say, it's because yeah, I did smiley face you and mum <clears> do this thing <throat> where you text you text me like hi full stop can you call me as soon as possible, full stop? And then I go, oh, shit. And then I call you and you're like, hi, just call in for a chat. And then sometimes I'm like, just don't do that. You know, add emojis, add, you know, some punctuation that's not just a full stop. And then you're like, hi, darling, how are you doing? Just when you get a time, just call me. And then I call you up being like, oh, how's it all going? And then I get, you know, a phone call from mum being like, your dad's in the hospital. And it's like, you guys just don't <laughs> learn. Okay, well, look, we are hopeless at like modern Texting, technology communi- and communication. communication is rubbish. That I accept, and so I apologise for that. But I, I, I just feel like, you know, the process we've been through, firstly, I feel like, I know you say that, you know, everything isn't perfect yet, but from my point of view, it is better than perfect because you've got this fantastic, you're sharing a great house in Brighton with the coolest kids in the world. You've yeah. got this uh, amazing cool. job that, that is so exciting. And you've got Blueberry here and you're living in the best place in the world. And and when I come down and see you, you just look so well and you're friends. And you're always like, no, I'm out tonight because we're going to the pub quiz or I'm out because we're doing this. And it's like, oh, she's... It seems like quite a short time from the night that you were rationally arguing that I had no right to ask you to stay alive to what your life's like now. Yeah. It seems like no time at all, because I'm older than you, obviously. And the change just seems incredible. But back then, you could never imagine, because the change was happening so slowly for you, you could never yeah. imagine... Or it was changing this, and then going straight and then going back. back. Yeah. You just couldn't, in your brain, think that anything could ever be good again. Yeah. And I guess that's where supportive friends and family come in, because they yeah. can just keep telling you yes it will be and just look out for you what during the dark patches yeah which is hard to hear when you're in that place because there's there's no guarantee that things will get better and i you know things still could turn to shit you know at some point but i'm very grateful that i'm not dead now because even if things do turn to shit later i wouldn't have experienced any of the things that i'm experiencing now all of the good things and i mean things now are still hard like I still would say that I'm in recovery I'm still consciously making an effort to eat food every day but it's not taking over my whole life and 
you know, I've got more important things. Not, you know, eating food is very important, but there are other things that... Other things, yeah. I and have to worry about too. So that, that's what really interesting because um, yesterday, you know, I was saying I felt quite ill yesterday and I was really anxious and I had, I had lots of meetings, lots of big meetings all day. And I was just feeling really like a knot in my stomach, like really anxious about everything. And I was like rushing from one meeting to another and just being really anxious. And then at three o'clock, I had to go, have I eaten today? And then I was like, shit. You know, I haven't. So I went to the sandwich shop and bought a sandwich. And then I had to... It was really hard to eat it. And I felt really unwell after I'd eaten it. I know this is like a really much, like, like lower level. But I'm just saying, and I'm 50... Oh, I was going to say 56, but I'm 58 now, aren't I? Uh-huh. So I'm an old boy. So I think... But I think everyone's got their, got their shit, right? Everyone's got their yeah. stuff that they have to deal with. And, um, and also, you know, you're saying everything could go wrong, but it, that's kind of like, you know, one of the fun things about life is that it is a bit of a risk. It's a bit of a punt. You never know what's around the corner. And, and if it was all just safe and guaranteed, it'd be a bit boring. So I think for anyone, things could go wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, the hope is that, <laughs> that you're, you've got your support structures around because things, things will go wrong. Like, yeah. things go wrong for me on a regular basis. But if you have your support structure around, we do quite well actually because when I have a thing like you know if I get hit by a car and then I was supposed to pop my clogs at that one wasn't I because I had some brain injury or something and um, you guys were all there for me and you went and got me sandwiches and looked after me and then and then um, I remember when you came back from the hospital <clears throat> and you had both of your hands were in bandages and closet and I was like I need the love. No, oh no, we're not talking about that. That was that, that was one thing. That was one step. I too was going to say you came home and you just stood there and looked really sad and you were like, "I need a beer." So we had to like open a little. I've got a photo of you. Open a bottle of beer and, and give it to you. And hold the glass up and yeah. everything. Yeah, man, I don't remember that. But anyway, no, it's good. We're there for each other, so that's the nice thing. And I think you know we've both been through the mill. I would say with with this. And we've come out the other end, and you're my favourite person. Favourite child? I'm not going to say that, cause, but, but you're my favourite person. So, like, I was really looking forward to coming down to Brighton today. We're going to get vegan sushi, have it on the yeah. beach with blueberry. And it's like, it's just really nice to be here. I think we have a good relationship, don't we? I'm, I love our relationship, except from a bit That's needier right. than you, because <laughs> I phone you up and text you in the wrong way. No, no, it's all good. I forgive you. Like we said at the beginning, this is National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. And um, what I wanted to say was, yeah, it has been shit. It's been awful. It's been really difficult. Yeah, and sometimes it still is. And, and also, we were lucky. We, we're lucky to be where we are now. There was no yeah. guarantee that this was going to come out right. However, you're doing great. We have a great relationship. And I'm looking at you as your dad. I'm really excited about all the things you, you, you'll get out of your life and will achieve in your life. And I'm sort of looking forward at this brilliant yeah. thing. And I'm just looking forward to kind of having a life with you and doing all these exciting things. Whereas before it was just like, it was terrifying and I couldn't see beyond the next half hour kind of thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember when I was told to take everything in five minute chunks because I thought I can't, if I think about even longer than that, I don't think I could cope. Yeah. And now it's like, I think about what I'm going to do next year. Do you? Yeah, where am I going to live? The house prices in Brighton are just insane. Well, you're not going to buy a house, are you? The renting prices in Brighton oh, are insane. Yeah. But it is pretty good. I'm feeling much good. more grateful for the things I have than the things that I struggle with. Okay. Just want to say thank you, listener, for listening. We'll also leave some resources 
yeah. alongside this of places that you can go to to either educate yourself or to get help. And I think, you know, it wasn't easy when we did it and that wasn't that long ago, but now it just feels like budgets for mental health services are cut. At a time, people having more problems with mental health, you know, you'd want yeah. to be double, tripling, you'd want to be putting lots of resources into mental health and that just isn't happening. So. Um, I just think, feel like we need to say that even though it was tough and we had to wait a long time, we did in the end manage to access help, which was really lucky. There were points where we didn't really have to fight as well. But also, there's another thing I've, I've got to say, because we've got to be honest, is that, you know, I earn okay money. So at one point we were able to pay for yeah. care for you, which was incredibly, hugely lucky for us. Yeah. And and most people wouldn't be able to afford that. There are a lot of people that I knew when, when I moved to that place that had heard of this centre. Really. It's called Ori, isn't it? The centre where, where we were. Yeah, so went. a lot so, of people... But we'll put all this on the resources thing. Yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant place, but there were a lot of friends and people that I knew who, you know, you can see that that environment would have really saved them at points but they couldn't afford to go because it yeah. is treatment is crazy expensive yeah yeah um so we were really lucky when it came to that point because i think you know i'm very grateful for all of the treatment yeah. that i've got even though some of it was really shit <laughs> you at the time you weren't grateful yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we're good now we're gonna go get a sushi we'll take a pic of us on the beach with blueberry and thanks everyone for listening thanks um, for listening just gonna say season three of the podcast is not gonna be heavy stuff like this it's gonna be the usual chaos we've got some great guests i hope connie will join us on some of them but she is like busy with her own life now so she might yeah, not i got a job i know she's got a job yeah so we'll see hopefully connie will join us on some of them but catch up with you for season three of This Is A Token, the jewellery podcast, the light-hearted, fun <laughs> <laughs> jewellery podcast. And thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.